a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you guys are listening from. It's been lots to talk about and two brilliant results, or I would take it as two brilliant results. At, uh, we're going to first discuss the Arsenal versus Tottenham game. Uh, for once, you know, after all our moaning and bickering, uh, for the first high-octane start by Arsenal, because, I mean, I honestly didn't expect it to be played at such a tempo. I mean, I knew it's going to be, you know, Derby, a rough-and-tumble game, but, I mean, the way we got out of the traps immediately, you know, taking the game to Tottenham, I think we surprised even them. I, I think that it's, the, the fans as well were, were really on our side in this one. Like you said, it was a high-intense affair. And I think the players were really up for it. That the first time you could actually see the passion in the players in every regard on the field. They they left it all out there on the pitch. Because, I mean, you could see Arsenal were really, um, you know, pinpointing that, that Foy centre-back centre of, of Tottenham. You know, like, look, that was, I think, his second or third game that he was coming into. And, I mean, they were, it was like, you know, just building all the attacks, going down that flank and coming at him the whole time. So you could see in the... You could like with time. There was also a um, you could see uh, uh, Serge Aurier and and Foy coming into you know getting into little arguments on the field because every time of uh, they were almost like slipping the the man like or, like you know when the Arsenal were making the runs off the ball they were not really yeah. picking up the runners so uh, you could see already there the problems already arising for for Tottenham. Yeah, we we put him on the back foot quite early as we were. We were scared, like as we mentioned in the previous podcast, that uh, if we gave Spurs the chance to overrun us, they could have may well take advantage like they did versus Chelsea. And I mean, our breakthrough came, I think, in the 10th minute when yeah. the Serge Aurier again lost possession of the ball. Aubameyang ran down the touchline and then got clipped by Aurier, which, you know, giving away the free kick. The eventing free kick led to Xhaka, Eating the ball into the box, and as you could see, Mustafi was lining up for like a power header goalwards. Jan Vertonghen decides to put his hand up. Penalty. What was your take on the penalty? Yeah, I, I think I thought it was a, a stone wall pen. I mean, putting your arms like that—you're definitely asking for trouble. And it was a needless penalty actually to give away. It was okay. Um, there was there was no need for that at all. You know what? What I just found somewhat strange. Um, you know, uh, leading up to the North London derby, the center, central defense was Alderweireld and that fourth kid. Yeah. And look with this being now his first game back after that injury because he was like, I think, off for close to a month with a, a knee injury. And I mean, for him to or hamstring. And he came in, I mean, at, at such a, a time, to you know, to come into a game. You guys, yeah. you see... The game was almost like getting ahead of him at, at times. And I mean, it was like early on in the game already where he's made such a, a rash decision. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a, a, a own goal basically by um, Pochettino to throw Vatong in a game of such of such high, um, high intensity. Because, uh, you know, I thought to myself, Look, Alderweireld, he's a solid defender as he's, he's been playing yeah. well so far this season. So I thought that was going to be, you know, a shoe in for that slot already alongside Vertonghen. But I mean, 
that was now his decision. Because uh, I got the feeling they also took us somewhat lightly, you know, the way the, the pundits were also making light of us, you know, in this North London derby, saying, you know, Tottenham come in as favourites and, and, you know, stuff like that. I, I know we went Waddle up early on in the game, but I think there was a chance to go 2-0 with Aubameyang where he should have taken that opportunity. And I find that uh, there's a lot of too many sitters. Yes, he's been putting away his top scorer in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. But yes, he's, he's missing quite sitters, which are, could put Arsenal even further ahead in games. I mean, like, uh, look, we, are, we can be forgiven. I mean, uh, I think I know what which chance you're talking about when Kolasinac cut, cut the ball back. Yeah. I think I just clipped off either uh, Eric Dyer's leg or somebody, but you could see he was setting himself up already for the tap-in. And with that, the little boy got flicked off the player, the defender's calf. That, you know, almost like totally put him off his game. So, I mean, that's where he scuffed that shot. I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. It was like a you know bad miss. But still, I mean, you know, he can be, in a way, forgiven for that. Uh, you know, Aubameyang then strokes in the penalty. We go one up. And then, uh, almost like with... In that same instant, like once the game kicked off again, their son gets opportunity and he stings the hands of Ben Leno. Because, I mean, all of a sudden, it's like we just switched off again for that, you know, that one minute. And that almost like, you know, cost us. Because it was like a very sloppy moment in the game. And I mean, just soon after, you know, scoring the goal. And then... Um, we had this spell of Spurs where I think uh, many were calling it on Twitter, the, you know, the, the five-minute spell of domination where yeah. everything was going their way, like free kicks were going their way and, and, and you know, the chances also, because, I mean, they were almost like overloading us at one point. And um, with regards to that, that little spell, now, in that time, they also won, like, for me, like, watching it again, I think I watched it like three or four times, it was almost like a cheap free kick, but for me, Socrates was also very naive going into that, you know, it was like just banging uh, Son in the back. Yeah. It was over, you know, a very cheap free kick. And then can you go on with regards to the ensuing free kick of Ericsson towards Arsenal? Go? Yeah, once again, Arsenal's concentrations for me is just... Sometimes it gets the like it, it gets the better of them, and it's, it's too many times in games we're allowing these little silly errors to lead to goals. I mean, if you look through uh, a lot of the goals that we conceded, it's it's been mistakes from our side, not really um, individual brilliance from the other side or carving us open. Okay, I actually thought you were now going to discuss the dire goal, but okay, I'll just give a breakdown of it because. Ericsson, you know, was hitting the ball already into that danger area by the six-yard box. And, you know, almost like it was just more like a flick of the head by Eric Dyer. And I don't know what Leno was really trying to do because it was like he was positioning himself like a you know, like a beach volleyball player trying to scoop the ball. Up. Then he ended up, you know, with the ball in the net. So that was 1-1. One, one. And from then on, you could see Arsenal now were rocked. And I was thinking, was like, okay, this is now not how I thought it was going to go because... You know, after our spell of domination and stuff like that. And then I think within a few minutes, again, Harry Kane holds up the ball. Back heels plays in Son, who bursts into the Arsenal area. And I think it was somewhat rash, uh, sliding a tackle by Rob Holding. But, at, you know, at, at, when you got the opportunity to watch the replays and things again, he actually just 
barely brushes the foot of Son. And, and I mean, it's like he was just waiting for any sort of contact and he went down at the sack of potatoes. I thought that was a very soft penalty, actually, looking, re-watching that. Uh, I don't know. On another day, I think that could have also been not given a penalty. Yeah, was good. you know, I almost like took like the the commentator's word on that, that uh, you know, the being contact and whatever. But you know, the more I watched, and then I, the evening I watched a uh, match of the day, and you know, now, um, of course, okay, Ian Wright is going to give like a somewhat biased, you know, uh, opinion. But then, of course, we had Alan Shear in the studio as well, and he also said he, th- he thought it was kind of, you know, not that much contact, and he went down. So. He wasn't that sure of it, you know, it should have been a penalty. Oh, so, oh, I, steps up and he, you know, I mean, he, I don't think he's actually missed any penalties this season and he slotted the ball, sending Leno the wrong way. I think once again, I think I've actually messaged you personally to t- say, say to you, here we go again, going into half-time once again, not in the lead. Because, I mean, you could, you know, when, when the camera was panning after that, that, that second goal, when it was panning in the crowd like that, you could see the, the, the you know, the number one disbelief and like people wondering, how can we be 2 1 down in a, you know, game we should be, oh, we are dominating? And I mean, it, for me, it even, you know, got me thinking. But then I, I remember also telling you, oh, I, I, said, I don't know if I mentioned the podcast also, I said, look, they were in a tough uh, midweek game against Inter. Which took a, you know, it also took a lot out of them. And I told you that 60 to 70 minute mark, that is when we could see Tottenham like, you know, tiring. But I mean, hats off to uh, Emery as well, because look, the, the impact was immediate come the second half. Because the likes of Iwobi and McTarin were not really doing that much. So, I mean, immediately he made that, you know, the changes and he brought on Lacazette and Ramsey for McTarin and Iwobi. I was going to actually mention that now that Emre's been showing a lot of bravery this season with the, the substitutions he make, And once again, it's paid off. I think Arsenal are the leading team in the Premier League with substitutions to score goals. I think it was it's eight or something like that that came off the bench to score goals. Yeah. And then, I mean, um, just now on to the game again. Uh, you know that... that Changes that he now brought, you can actually see, and this is what what I, th- I, I was trying to give you also a breakdown of it when we spoke after the match, or like a few like a day or so afterwards, where you know the more you then watch the game, you actually realize what plan Emery had set up for Tottenham. And I mean, I found it to be, I mean, I think as one of that people on Twitter was mentioning it, but I when they were starting to give it a breakdown of it, but it was. He brought on Lacazette, so we were going to go almost like with a, a not not a, actually a, a typical front two. We were going more like with a two wingers where Aubameyang and, and Lacazette were pulling so far wide to open that Spurs defence. You know, so almost like they would have yeah. to decide how they're going to pull across that line to pick up Aubameyang or who's going to pick up Lacazette. And that splitting of that defence, which they showed also on match of the day, it left that whole zone open in the Tottenham midfield, you know, where the two centre-backs would normally or, like, you know, usually be. And that, of course, opened up everything for Ramsey. And that's why you could see Ramsey was hurting them over and over and over in that game. For that, Like, from the moment he came on and, and he started getting that, when he saw that pocket of space. So, I mean, if you think of it, we were almost like playing with a false nine. And, I mean, that was, like, so rare for Arsenal to play because it's almost like allowing that whole area open just for Ramsey. 
Yeah, he was instrumental, almost like a conductor, the way he was almost starting all of our attacks from that area, running into space, opening them up, like you mentioned. And, and I, that led... you could see uh, Pochettino was actually confused because the more I saw, like, I mean, you saw this attack upon attack upon attack, and there was like no real, you know, like sometimes you'll see a manager thinking, okay, yeah, this is to open, let's combat this, let's do it. And I mean, that's not like he was just letting them do their own thing, and I mean, we were just exploiting that all that little pockets every time you could see. And there was also a moment, I think, late on in the first half, and quite a bit you saw it in the second half, you would actually see when when some of the midfielders and, and, and defenders of Tottenham would shift over, say, to Lacazette, or they'll shift over to uh, Obama Young. Then you could actually see Emery standing on the touchline, and he shows the, the player whoever was on the ball in midfield, switch the play, switch the play. So we kept on just hoofing it from one side of the field to the other and letting them... You know, almost like the minute they, they, they start coming in the huddle on the one side of the field, we'll switch over to the open area of the pitch. And I think that was also really knackering them out. Yeah, but you could you could see the, the, the longer the game went on that Arsenal something was gonna was going to give for Arsenal and they were they had to get that equalizer. And I mean then the equalizer came through a you know, the, the build up I found fantastic because yeah. it was a, a defense splitting pass by Bellerin. And then it almost like fell on a plate to, to Ramsey because I mean, it's such a perfectly weighted pass. He cuts the ball you know, across him. And then Aubameyang comes in his stride and he just hits a one, like, you know, perfect bending shot into the corner. I think that, that, that goal wobbled Spurs. I think they were, you know, kind of holding on for, you know, that 2-1. I think that goal then rocked him and obviously gave Arsenal the momentum shift in their way. Yeah. Fully agree there because I mean, to beat a, a keeper like Loris, like that, yeah, you know, where he's like just standing, he's not even diving, he's just watching the ball hit the back of the net. I found superb goal, and then from then on, it was you know, it was like one way traffic because now all of a sudden we were starting to poke holes in that Spurs team. The midfield were doing absolutely nothing. Eric Kane was almost like just becoming a spectator because you know, it was like that's how you could see the, the changes of Spurs also when they brought off Delhi Ali because I mean he at the end he was almost like just becoming a spectator because the, the, the sort of tempo we were playing the game was just uh, passing him by and then I mean we ended up uh, again a fantastic uh, uh, play by, by Ramsey because that fourth kid was again on the ball looked a bit nervous coming like, I think the th- he wasn't prepared for the throw in I think and then Ramsey charged him down got position of the ball sped past the player and played again a Perfect pass. And I mean, like I said, you know, so I had two guys in front of him, cuts, cuts inside. And as he's about to shoot, I don't know if you remember, he slipped. Yeah, yes. Shot off. And I mean, with Eric Dyer putting his, I think his legs or something like it in the way, it clipped off his shins and it almost like just took the ball past Loris's despairing dive. I think that uh, that celebration said a lot the way they went on when they got that third goal. It showed how much this game actually meant to the guys. And I haven't seen those type of celebrations in a North London derby in a long... I mean, that, that stadium, even Gary Neville said that... Uh, he don't remember when last that stadium was rocky because he said you could actually feel the vibrations, the way the, the, like, the singing, the, the stomping, and, and everything was just going our way. And I mean, you could see the, the players almost like feeding off that, you know, that frenzy in the crowd also that of, of, of joy. I think this is... Um, 
at 3-2 down, I think Spurs heads dropped, even though they, they did try to come back into the game and did have some chance. I don't know if that Paladin mistake passed the Sun. It was a lapsing concentration. I knew that was just before, just after we made a 3-2 win. Um, Leno had to make a save off a Paladin. Like, tried to play a ball across goal, and he gave it almost straight to that Sun. But, I mean, the the build-up to the fall. I mean, actually, if you look at all our goals, were brilliant. But also, what I loved about the fourth goal, it comes to the guy that's most deserving. But, I mean, the, the, yeah. the assist comes from Obama Young. Who actually does a? Because when I, I actually had a look at it also a few times, and he actually does a no look pass because he looks wide to the uh, I think the left side and he ends up playing the ball down the left. I mean, or the right side, yeah. And then like it totally bamboozles Eric Dyer, and I mean you could see Torreira just spin, lets him spin off Dyer, and he ends up getting the box and just smashes the ball past Lorries. Very good finish by Torreira. You never say a defensive midfielder would have such composure in the box and to smash it in from that kind of acutish angle. But I mean, his, his performance was, I mean, he was like a colossus in that, that midfield. I mean, you know, tracking back and, you know, for me, he also set the tone for the, 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 the uh, derby. Cause I think it was, I don't know if it was the fourth or fifth minute. We ended up clipping, uh, Deli Ali, the other side of the pitch. Deli Ali was trying to, you know, wriggle out and he just kicked his legs out from under him. But I mean, look at the ref now. Like, let, let play, uh, you know, continue. But it, it was almost like it set the marker there for the sort of intensity that was going to come in the game. Because I mean, he was taking everything down. I think Torreira did well, like with Dali Ali. Because Dali Ali likes to make things stick with Spurs. And I think the only thing Dali Ali I can remember done in that game was kind of clear the ball off the line against us. And I, 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 I'm not sure if it was. Yeah, I think it was him. There was actually a stat with the set. He actually touched the ball four times at that one period. It was like just from the a couple of times on the kickoff, and I think a couple of times around the Arsenal box, and that was it. He was almost like played totally out of the game. I, I think this result in this game actually showed the pundits and showed all the the, the doubters that Arsenal are here to challenge for that top four spot. Yeah, because I mean, I you know leading up to that North London derby, when Tim Sherwood gave his. Uh, combined 11 and he put all 11 Tottenham players. I mean, I found that you know, really ridiculous. And then you see something down the lines of Torreira's yet to prove himself. I mean, the guy's been playing his socks off since he's become a regular in the team. And and for, for me, this was a good result to also like, keep everyone quiet of saying Arsenal haven't played anyone because our unbeaten run is just stretching and stretching. And like in the beginning, they said, oh, Arsenal haven't played any of the big teams. Now we've actually been playing a lot of the top six teams. It's only, I think we've played all of them now and we still remain unbeaten. Because, I mean, for me, it's not like they were the media darlings and then they got the re- reality check or their visit to the Emirates. I think everybody thought Spurs were title contenders, but I think Arsenal showed them otherwise on Sunday. No, they, I mean, we showed their flaws. I mean, look, a person can say about fatigue, fatigue, but I mean, at the end of the day, it also comes down to what you can put out on the day. I mean, it's not like anybody held a gun to Pochettino's head and said, look, you can't play so-and-so. He's the one that made the decision tactically, and he thought that was the side ideally suited to beat us. And I mean, it failed hopelessly. Yeah, it did. And I'll, I'll take the three points. And going on now to the the United game, uh, what was your 
take on on that? I mean, I you know, as much as a person, you know, the Sunday, you know, uh, not Sunday, sorry, the Monday, I was all you know beaming about the the derby and all that. But then you know, in hindsight, I was thinking, you know, maybe this United game, because uh, I remember I was very confident talking to you about it, and I didn't want to like you know give any hint that I was a bit nervous or whatever. But I mean, we I did worry. Is like you know you have this high intensity game of of a North London derby, and then you're gonna go a few days later, and you're gonna have to you know put out a performance against a Man United who is almost like a wounded animal at the moment. You know, look, they've got the media on their backs, they've got the players in you know turmoil, they've got loads of injuries. So I was also you know worried about you know taking things too lightly there, and you know now that you know thinking now about now what has happened with the result. Now I'm thinking to myself, you can see physically that game did take a lot out of the, out of the place. Because for me, concentration-wise, uh, look, that it was now a game where we ended up missing uh, with that serving the one-game suspension. And then you had yeah. Windowsy coming in for him. Then Ramsey also replaced Mkhitaryan, who's been, you know, blowing hot and cold this season. So... And then, of course, with my, well, Man United, their, their defense also decimated because I think they had one suspension and numerous, numerous uh, defensive injuries. So it's not like Mourinho was down to having to slap together a makeshift defense with people just coming back from injury and not having you know any practice games in between. So it's not like people like Royo and 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 um, that uh, was it Delmat or Delmat. You, yeah. they were now having to come in, being thrown in at the deep end. And I mean. Bailly only shot, uh, only got a game after I think some like a month or so out because look he was dropped because of a dodgy performance and I think that it could be the Newcastle game. I, I actually thought, thought this was going to be our first time in twelve years in the Premier League that we were going to get one over Man United, but I think after this whole, the the whole game that what had happened, I thought that we held our own very well and actually took the game to United and made them feel that they were the, the lucky ones at the end of the day. Well, when we took the lead in the 26th minute when Mustafi headed in a Torreira corner. But I mean, it was, I think, what caused a lot of problems with the Gaia with that goal was with him heading the ball, with Mustafi heading the ball into the turf, which was already slicked up because of the rain. Yeah. And he tried to like, you know, it was like parry the ball in the air, but you could see he totally got himself in a knot and that's why he ended up like looping the ball over his goal line, which I mean Herrera tried to clear off, but I mean it was a wrong decision because many felt that he should have rather tried to hit the ball instead of trying to get his leg up and kick the ball over. And, and Andre Mariner, the ref of the day, he ended up just you know giving him the goal because of the goal just that goal line technology thing. Yeah, it was a shocking era of the year of all keepers to make like he's normally on point with everything, but it seems. That this the season he, he hasn't been the best of keepers and Mustafi is always so powerful in the air as he, he really overpowered that Smalling to get onto that header. So yeah. I, I thought it was a that's good one. Like, like, you know, somebody like Smalling, that's also a guy that's being forced to you know play because he was not really prepared because they said he was some like sixty percent going into the game, like you know physically because he was also out for uh, not out but I mean he was also uh, having a needling injury for quite a while now um, uh, then of course we ended up giving a, a needless free, free kick by Quindosi 
was, I don't know, for some reason in this game. He, he had that, you know, his moments of, you know, where he loses his, that, you know, the discipline that you sometimes see him at, have at the Emirates. He kind of lost it in this game. He gives away the free kick and then, uh, I mean, it was a brilliant free kick by Royo. Leno uh, palmed the ball away. But of course, Arsenal seemed totally asleep, you know, for the ball and the rebound. So, because I first thought to myself, Iwobi was going to somehow close down or the holding would be more alert, but it gave the time to Herrera. Okay, later on, they found out that he was, he was actually offside when the ball struck. Okay, let's not let that slide. Um, he ends up cutting the ball back and it gets smashed home by Martial. It's 1-1. Do you, do you think Leno could have done better? Maybe knocked it out for a corner or he uh, got called onto the ball or who was the guy that got maybe cleared it out for a I, corner I as well? No, no. The thing was, look, he was already hitting the ball, heading towards the lower. Like as you watch the, the screen, it was like to the right of the goal. And it was already going to the foot of the post. and uh, Not foot of the post, but it could have crept in and as a goalie. You're going to try to palm the ball away, either for corner or you're going to just try to palm it away. But then, of, co- of course, you also need your players around you to be alert. And I think, as you said, now you, that, that same way you now thought, your train of thought, that's what I thought, because I thought Iwobi was going to actually toe poke the ball, because all he had to do was just toe poke the ball. And he ends up, ends up watching the ball actually roll past him, because I mean, that ball, it looked like slow motion. It wasn't really going at pace past, it was just being rolled across the goal. And then Rob Holding also just stands and watches the ball. And, I mean, of course, Martial is way sharper and he just smashes the ball into the net. I think there's more more bad news to follow after that with uh, Rob Holding picking up a knock. And it was sad to see him being carried off like that. And I knew it would have it wasn't going to be a good sign of how quick he would recover from an injury, like what happened. Yeah, because now um, it's now come out today that it's... Uh, a ruptured ACL, anterior cruciate ligament, which means he's going to be out for about six to nine months. And such a shame he was coming on so well this season. Like, he was Mr. Reliable, playing week in, week out. But, you know, I, I'm just thinking, that I just wonder if he wasn't already pushing himself in that, what they would say, the, the trade zone. Because for me, that Tottenham game already took a lot out of, say, everybody. Yeah? And now to get the, that sort of injury, because look, it was a rash challenge. But also, like, when he got off the, the, the pitch, he ended up, you know, slipping awkwardly on that AstroTurf on the side of the Old Trafford, uh, Old Trafford pitch. And I think that also just, you know, made the problem even worse, so the way he, you know, he landed awkwardly. And he was playing a lot of football, like you mentioned, so he definitely could have been in the red zone because he was the only guy that was has been playing week in, week out, you know, playing Carling Cup or, sorry, Carabao Cup. He's been the guy that's been there in the heart of the centre back all the time. And then he was replaced by Lichsteiner. And then, of course, there was like some uh, rearrangement in the defense with Kolasinac dropping a bit, you know, further back. And, you know, almost like we were playing a bit more reserve for until we, you know, uh, everything got organized again. Then there was also a period of the game where it got kind of hectic with the ref because there was like a flurry of yellow cards. I yeah. Think Mustafi, Royal, Lingard, Pellerin. Pellerin, yes. It was like in quick succession, there was like a lot of yellows because things were now getting, you know, tugging, players were tugging each other back, players were going in late on each other somewhat. And then, of course, even more, you know, bad news to follow with Ramsey again sliding awkwardly. 
yeah, I think he, I think he rolled his ankle. Because I first thought it was, you know, being trod on or something even worse happened. But I think he just rolled the ankle. So, I mean, he, he tried to, you know, he went off for treatment, came back on. But you could see he was already, you know, limited with his movement. So, we already all knew on the stroke of halftime, he would probably be the next change for us, which was. And then Makatarin started the second half for us. I just want to mention, like, we were down to 10 men for such a long time, or not a long time, but for a period of time in the latter part of the first half, I think with the holding injury or the Ramsey injury. But we still kept on like dominating United. Like we were the, they were the ones that were down to 10 I mean, men. Look, look, even when, when, when Ramsey came on to make it a full continuous, he was not running anymore because I think they were when they were trying to give the ball off to him, he was telling them not to pass him anymore because you could see he could not move. And that is where... I agree with you. That's where we, you know, ended up with it. Like playing almost like ten men that last five or so minutes, and yet we still looked the stronger side. And for me, that gave me, like as an Arsenal fan, very much good confidence because before, if that had ever happened, we would, at Old Trafford especially, we would have probably folded or collapsed. Mm. And then, of course, second half, we again took you know control of the game. I think with a bit more intensity this time. But uh, you know, we were always like going a bit at times. Gango, because huh? yeah, uh, uh, Lacazette came on for Iwobi. Because, I mean, uh, Iwobi, as I said, I told you the other day, I mean, I still think he tries, you know, too hard, be a bit more composed, and I think he can cause a lot of damage to teams. But you get, you know, when you watch him, you watch him, he does it, the brilliant footwork coming up to the box, then he gets there to the edge of the box, or in the box, and then you can see he doesn't know, do I shoot, do I pass, what do I do? And that is where I think that is where. Only I think only him can really sharpen that side of his game, you know that way uh, the the decision making because I mean, that's where he struggles. But then that's it. Lacazette came on, almost like an immediate impact. I think within three minutes, he gets I think Royo misplaced the ball, yeah. intercepted between Lacazette and and uh, Mkhitaryan. The two of them play like a one-two of each other. Mkhitaryan plays Lacazette in, and as he's about to strike, Royo comes with a somehow. Look, you know, very yeah. or reckless tackle. But I mean, you could see the Gaia was already, you know, going down the one way. And then, of course, when Royo came in with that reckless tackle, he toe pokes it into the other corner. So Arsenal go 2 1 up. And I thought to myself, you know, what we have, we hold. And I, you know, honestly, I kid you not. The, I was thinking that what we have, what we hold, and as the camera switches back onto the game, because they were still showing, you know, various replays, I just see the ball get launched forward, and I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then, total miscue by uh, Kolasinac and Mkhitaryan, uh, not Mkhitaryan, um, Socrates and Mustafi, you know, a, a total shitstorm happening there at the back. The ball just, I mean, like, lands into no man's land, it breaks to Jesse Lingard of all people. I mean, he's the most probably the most annoying man United. Yes, uh, so uh, all people going to score and it's a stupid celebration. <laughs> and then, I mean, he like you know dinks it past uh, Leno, and then I'm thinking to myself, oh no, is he gonna do that Millie Rock uh, yeah. dance or something? And then he does some other dodgy dance. At, at that point, I was quite furious. I was watching and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, all you have to do is you go two one up. Shut the game down for a bit, five to ten minutes, just play basic football and try to maybe start hitting United on the counter attack. Because I think they would have been out their sales if they had to be behind for maybe a 
another 10 minutes or 10 yeah, minutes period because they, they their confidence were low, the crowd would have gotten their back. They don't, Mourinho's, it's, there was just, there would have been a toxic environment, but we almost allowed them back into the game again. Because, I mean, I, I thought, you know, like a typical mindset, I mean, let's say where you, you, uh, you know, brought up as a kid when you're playing uh, youth football, it's like when you take the lead, sometimes you look, there's going to be games where you can still go and attack, 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 but there's also games where you have to t- sometimes take the sting out of the game. And I thought that is, you know, uh, we, that part where I told you that what we have, we are old. I thought we're going to actually do something like it, you know, put pressure on them, let them lose position, get the ball in out, off or whatever. And just start knocking the ball around a bit. Just, you know, let them run, take it, as you said, take the wind out of the sails a bit and then spring again. But I mean, it's not like we totally shut down mentally. And it, it, for me, it was like another... If you look at the call, like some of the goals we've conceded, you know, another cheap type of goal we conceded. I mean, actually, all four goals were quite shocking. I mean, if you think of, but okay. Well, well I think I think we don't have a, a, a true leader at the back because uh, I'll never forget something I watched um, where they spoke I think to Lee Dixon once to Nigel Winterburn. Is that Arsenal would score a goal like Tony Adams? You know, even though the right and left wing uh, wing backs like to have bombed forward, Tony Adams would tell them, right, guys. For the next five to ten minutes, you guys are just going to sit here and we're going to contain the, the the score line for a bit before we attack again. And I don't think we have that leader at the back because there's always confusion and mistakes being ha- happening. There's no cool heads as well at the back. Because, I mean, for me, you know, throughout the game, you know, I, I was actually wondering about that that part also because for me, almost like we allowed ourselves to be rushed at times in the game where we shouldn't have, you know... Allow that because I think with with coming to that 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 game, I think uh, confidence wise, I think we should have actually been say from first minute to ninetieth, you know, had our tails up. But uh, it's not like there were times that in the game where it was like they, they were like instead of passing it to each other, they were like firing the ball to each other. Yes, 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 and yes. That is what kind of bothered me a lot, and uh, for me, it was like very un-Arsenal. You know, if you think of the other games we've been playing, this even in, in games that, like the Palace game or whatever, where we drew or threw away a couple of points, the passing game was still there. It was not a smooth type of game, but as I said, this one was more. I don't know. Maybe it was like also the pressure of being at United at Old Trafford, and you know that that side of the game also being against us. Because I think if a more composed passing game would have probably we would have wiped the floor in. But I think also fatigue. You know. Being of that north, in the North London derby, I think that also. I'm not trying to make any excuses, but I'm just saying like part of it could have been also where physically we are also mentally drained. We also need to recharge our batteries because I think after the game, um, Emery actually said in that press conference or one of the interviews he did, yeah, he was actually going to give them that Thursday off, like completely off, like no training or any gym work or anything, just off completely off. So now they can you know recharge and now they. Going probably hard on, on Friday and then for the Huddersfield game on uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I think moving on to before we, before we move on to that game, I think um, for me, one thing that also stood out was that Pierre Emery Obama Yang missed as well. That when he kicked in the games, the years foot when he I thought he could have maybe buried that chance to make it 3 2. And that little flick of, of Mikatarin that I, I don't know what he was actually trying. Yes, to. oh. Yeah. I think you know, just like you know, he did flat across the goal or you know, flat at goal, but it wasn't even really a, a save. He missed the chance. He shot 
like from point blank, he shot over the ball. I think for me, but for that um, tackle on Rojo um, or that intercepting that misplaced pass, I don't think Mkhitaryan did much for me to actually warrant him to start on on Saturday against Huddersfield or tomorrow against Huddersfield. But I think, you know, with, with the other injuries being picked up, because I actually want to also, because uh, we you know, now have the next two games at the Emirates, we've got one against like, Huddersfield tomorrow. And then we've got Karabag on, on Thursday night, the final group game. So as I, what I actually wanted to say was, look, with injury, with regards to injury updates, Kossielny, this um, Emirates said he's, he could be on the bench on, 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 like on Saturday for the Huddersfield game. But, you know, not really forced to play. But, and then uh, the Thursday he's penned in for that. But uh, it could also be we get like uh, like forty five minutes something like that, because he has played not two under twenty three games. The first game he got a heavy knock, so he had to come off. I think after some like forty five minutes something like that. But we were one up, um, one down. Sorry, and we ended up losing some like four five one. Once he came off, um, he played then one game last week. I think it could have been that. Same or the day before the Man United game, he had to come off. I think after ten minutes because because everybody was now worried, thinking it's that Achilles injury flaring up or you know a leg injury. But then they said he was just suffering from cramp because I think his body's now you know starting to adapt to the you know almost like still trying to adapt to the match type of tempo again. So I think we almost like you know really easing him in. We're not gonna really rush him in. You know we needed because. I got a feeling we might even recall one of the youngsters to take the bench or one and probably save most of the defense going into that Carabao game even because I don't think he's going to really risk any, you know, we're not, he's probably going to let the kids again go out. I, I do think we're probably going to need a centre-back in the January transfer window. And I fully agree with because I think we're just too short and I'm not sure if that, you know, that, that, that Callum Chambers has a recall in his that loan deal. I don't know where we can go shopping for a centre-back. I know um, that um, Panacea or something like that of, of Juventus isn't getting much game time. So I don't know if he could possibly be available. Well, I heard Arsenal are looking at that. Um, it's a, a centre-back from Charlton. I think he's valued at $15 million. I don't know his name. His surname was Kazan or Kazam or something like that. But he's actually linked to us as a, a possible, you know, replacement, like more as a backup player, because he's quite young, but he's, they say, like, look, he's playing in, I think, League One or something like that, but they say he's quite a, a solid defender and Arsenal have been keeping tabs on him. And with regards to other injury news, um, Aaron Ramsey, I think uh, Emery said that injury is not that bad because they were first thinking, you know, it could be ligaments or something like that in the ankle, but they said it was just like a, a slight twist. He should be even ready for the game on on, on uh, Saturday. And then with regards to Ozil, I think we could get word either. I mean, could still be this evening or probably tomorrow morning. We could hear if he's going to be drafted in because it looks. I mean, I first thought it was like a you know, like a fake story, but it looks like it is true. And I think because they said he's now been at the physio and whatever to. Someone see to his back, 
because they say there's a possibility he could then also be in because I don't know if if you know it's almost like that. I think the one position that will probably be open if if Rams is not hundred percent will probably be whether Ozil comes in or Ramsey. Oh, sorry, or McIntyre comes in as that number ten. Uh, uh, we uh, must mention kudos to Ramsey though. Like even though he's one foot out of Arsenal, he's still giving a lot of committed performances um, at the moment. Yeah, that's impressive because you know. Remember, I don't know which game it was. We 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 discussed. We we were actually thinking a bit frustrated. I don't know could it be the Leicester game where he was trying. Oh no, not Leicester. One of the games that we drew, I think, where he was trying those little flicks and tricks and you know playing his own game or oh, the Wolves game. Sorry, Wolves. Yeah, those Wolves. Those Wolves. Where he came on and I think the crowd were getting on his back also because he wasn't making decisions for the team. He was making decisions for, decisions for himself and you know doing this. Things where it wasn't needed, we you know we could have been pushing for a goal or two more. But I mean, you know, he was doing it. But now it's like he's becoming more now a team player. I don't know if he's now, you know, the mind is now or the, the everything has been sorted out in his future now because he looks a bit more focused now. And I think I mean that's also winning him, you know, a lot of plaudits now from the fans for that, you know, that sort of attitude now. Yeah, definitely. I would much rather have him over Makatarin in the team at the moment, in my opinion. But you know, I, you know, one thing I like as a side note now, as we now draw to a close now, I I really think we need a sort of um, you know, if you now ask me like for a player that I would like, I mean, I can't give you like say a name, but you know, I really think we need uh, like a left-footed winger, but you might like yeah. a natural left-footer, because the the sort of chance if you think the sort of chances that that Colasina had in our two games now going, and he was playing as a wing back. So he's got that attacking going forward, but he doesn't have that, you know, that intricacy to cut inside, you know, that, that, that little deft touch. Because sometimes you don't need that brute force to always, you know, <laughs> barrel your way through people. Yeah, yeah. You need that, that little, you know, you know, I'm like caressing the ball in and getting a, a, around the, the box, in and around the box. Because I can tell you now, if we get a, a winger like that, like some, uh, I'm not saying like Juan Mata, but that type of mold or that type of mindset or even something like that Zane, that type of mindset. Can you imagine the sort of damage that left flank would do? Because, I mean, at the moment, that looks like one of our strongest wings. I mean, look, okay, both fullbacks are doing good, doing a good job. But yeah, I think that left flank, we can cause a lot of damage to teams. Yeah, we've, we we showed it United how we exploited that that left-hand side, actually. Um, was it was that guy of Mexico, that Lozano, is, is he a left-footed guy? You know, I, I liked him at the World Cup, actually. I think they just, didn't they just buy him? Or they were like, is that, he's in Holland somewhere. Was it P- he's a PSV, yes, PSV. Uh, I they bought him like a season ago, so I don't know, like, it is a possibility, but I don't think they'll really go for it now in, in, in the, you know, the January window. I think probably a target, a likely target in, in the summer, because that's the other thing I also wanted to mention before we go, is that Danny Welbeck has now been told that he will not be given any sort of extension or contract, so he is free to leave in June. Uh, sad, sad um, note for him to leave, you know, that he was actually coming, like, doing a good but part performance as a rotational striker, So, and it's a sad way to leave with a broken ankle like that. So with that, I'll draw a line on this podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys like and share the podcast. I wish you guys all a super weekend wherever you are in the world we appreciate your support thank you bye thanks guys good night